Good morning, Matt. Good morning. Every time we do this, I, I feel a need to confess to the audience that this is the second time and that that good morning was kind of fake. That bothers me. But just assume we're living in one of those um, time loop episodes, like the Star Trek episode where they're caught in a time loop and they keep reliving the same day uh, again and again and again. Um, so it's just like that, but with podcasting. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. See, I feel like we've already it, said that. <laughs> really? That's weird. Yeah. Um, uh, this is guy who looks just like Bill Murray sitting next to me. Um, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's February, that would be great if we could February get Bill second. Murray as a guest oh. on this podcast. That would be fantastic. Suntory time. Um, so uh, yes, and and uh, I feel like uh, I was also saying in take one, which you know no one knows exists. If I delete it, it never happened. Nonetheless, I said. Um, a few moments ago, before we had this technical issue, um, mm -hmm. where my volume was too loud because I'm, I don't know if this is something about me, um, being too loud. Uh, now I forgot what it was. What was I saying? Oh, I don't know that there's a lot of podcasts that begin in the morning. I, I don't hear a lot of people saying, good morning. Oh, um, uh, is that because podcasters are just not morning people generally, do you suppose? I think that's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That would make a lot of sense. <laughs> They think the idea of rolling out of bed and turning on the microphone is not necessarily the best thing, but it hasn't stopped us. Well, it's, that's the one of the wonderful things about it being all audio is that my physical appearance, because I just rolled out of bed, is irrelevant. That's right. right. I could I could be totally dressed in my tuxedo and full makeup and things, and no one would know. Right, but because we're on Skype, I can see that you are. Uh, of course. Uh, and how could it be otherwise? It's yeah. amazing. It's truly amazing. Um, like that character, uh, Harvey Keitel's character in Pulp Fiction, uh, Mr. Wolf. Always oh, Mr. In, Wolf, yeah. Always in a tuxedo, <laughs> even, no matter what time of day. Um, here's a, a, oh, let me just say to the audience, hello, welcome. There's a lot more of you each episode, and uh, we're thrilled about that. Um, we've gotten some uh, really nice uh, reviews on iTunes. Um, yes. Yes. Great for us, um, and it helps the show, and it helps us build this community of other people who like to say, what the if, um, mm -hmm. and, and then ponder something. Uh, if you're new to the show, uh, what the if is we ask uh, a question, you know, like, well, basically, what if, and we follow that um, forward, and kind of like any science fiction writer might do. Um I grew up loving uh, hard science fiction, as they call it. Never thought that was a great name. But Arthur C. Clarke, um, perhaps Isaac Asimov is in there, Stephen Baxter, uh, mm -hmm. the kind of thing where it, it's, we try to keep everything scientific except for one thing. Right. What and if. then run with that. Right. But we also say, what the if? Uh, because it's, uh, it's got attitude. Right, yeah, we want to get some outrage uh, and horror in there. Yeah. <laughs> awe. Awe, awe especially, yeah. Mm, yeah. Awe rage. Um, and uh, so please just uh, go to iTunes, 
I know you always forget. I always forget. Uh, one thing I do, by the way, is I listen to so many podcasts that I love and uh, I just decide, okay, I'm going to do an iTunes thing now. I go to iTunes and I just write a review for each um, thing. You don't even have to put in words. Honestly, you can just click five stars. Um, more, if you can you know, carve one out of your screen, six, seven, eight, mm-hmm. that's cool. We'll, we'll take five. Um, if you write some words, that's awesome too. Anyway, it, uh, iTunes works uh, in that uh, if people put in reviews, it'll, it'll feature you more. Um, okay. Here's a what the if. Mm-hmm. I uh, I had this morning. Um, what if uh, space travel um, wasn't even like space travel? It was like there was nothing to it. Um, so, meaning, what if uh, for whatever reason the universe was not a vacuum? But uh, something that we could like swim through, um, oh, and okay. also breathe in. You know, in like mm-hmm. um, we're people. But let's keep it like that because I don't want to go too many weird things. Um, sure. This is weird enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but kind of like how fish live in the water, and they don't have any problem with that. Okay. Um, and so, like, right from the beginning of life on earth mm-hmm. things could no there's the earth is just like one lily pad on one spot yeah. yeah distances are all the same mm-hmm. objects are what they are stars are stars planets are planets and okay. um but that's it okay all right i think i think what we're going to end up with is uh polynesia in space Ooh. Okay. My ties in space. That's what should be great, right? Yes. Everybody loves coconuts, pineapples, and things like that. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, but <laughs> this, uh, so I think that the, so the, the critical element there, I think, is you won't necessarily die on the trip, although you could. Um, but I think most importantly, when you get to your destination, uh, you can breathe. Right. right? Actually, like you, can, you can continue to live. You yeah. can breathe. Every, in other words, the whole universe is essentially breathable. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, and even um, you can like swim through it. Okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, you, so the one thing that would be trouble is food. Let's right. Because you, you, you get you could hungry starve on the way. On, starve on mm-hmm. a journey. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, a thing to ponder at. So, so the moon is, um, uh, let's say, roughly... Um, quarter million miles away right mm. so that'll be our first stop for swimming right um so let's hear how long does it take to swim across uh the atlantic i don't know has anyone ever done oh, that oh that's think a that's, good question that's not humanly possible right um but let's say uh, roughly speaking it's uh 10 times the distance around the earth to the moon so swimming there is probably not doable right not in one shot. No, that's right. For well, that's right. So if we're imagining that you can just have a backpack full of food and you swim for right. I don't know a few hours and then can hang out and just sort of float there for a while and right. take a nap. I mean, we might even keep, imagine yeah. that it's the same. Like you could, um, you, we might as well actually. You could go so far as basically you could have ships. Um, yeah, I think, oh, see, that's the thing. I think that would be the better strategy, right? Yeah. For the same reason you don't try to swim um, 
from Tahiti to Hawaii, right? You get right. a ship because it's just, yeah, I guess you could float there, but it would be extremely difficult and really, really challenging, right? right? So I think what you want is a ship um, that, uh, I don't know, I guess if you can swim through space, then you could use oars, right? So we could get mm-hmm. just like big outrigger canoes in space, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, and then you can bring a whole crew of people and you can take turns. Right, you don't uh, need, you don't need still, right? fuel. Yeah. So h- h- here's what it is. Basically, I think here's the, the simplest analogy. Okay. Just as, you know, from the earliest humans, it seems, uh, you, you could make a raft and mm-hmm. float on the ocean. Yeah. And, and you could come up with moon. a sail. Let's say there's going to be currents and something. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, though, that could factor into where you can go easily. But... Uh, it's just like that. So like on, sh- you know, the old sailing ships, they had to bring their food or they had to stop at islands and re- refresh or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Although they could fish, which is interesting. That does, let's say that's not a case That here. would be hard to fish in space. Yeah. Although, yeah. Other creatures from Earth could have floated into space, actually. You could well, find them. Well, if, if we're willing to allow that we breathe there, yeah. then presumably... You know, squirrels can breathe there yeah. um, or rats, right? So space is going to be full of rats because rats get everywhere, right? Oh, yeah, right. That's a good so one. So you can just grab grab up a net full of rats on the way. Yeah. Um, but, the, uh, but I think the scale problem is pretty important here in the sense that, you know, if you imagine it takes uh, with, with these sorts of, you know, um, muscle-powered boats, it takes um, months to get across oceans on earth. Yeah. So if we use that, if we scale that up to the distance to the moon, our our nearest rest stop, um, and it's about 10 times, like I said, it's all the way around the earth. It's about 10 times that to the moon. So let's just go 10 times uh, a few months. So now we go from a few months to a few years. Hmm. So the, the closest journey we could make through space, even if we could breathe, and catch food on the way would be a handful of years. Wow. Right. That's a long trip, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and so here, uh, I'm just going to tweak it a little bit or just flesh it out a little bit. Um, let's say it's, we have our current technology or the equivalent, like it's our, okay, level. If we can, we're we can in this a, year, but right. um, life let's say life began on earth and probably elsewhere too, although we don't know. So we're, we're just on earth and whatever is out there is still as now so far away that we've not encountered it yet at all. And, um, but here we are four, three and a half, uh, 3.9 billion years after life began. And from the very beginning you know, even individual singular cell creatures mm-hmm. could have floated off the earth. So it, it, it's kind of like there's no, the earth, um, well, the question is, do we have, gra- you got to have gravity. Oh, that's, yeah, that's the thing. So that's the, the swimming metaphor suggests that, you know, we can sort of fight against gravity. Right. So only stronger water, creatures. Is, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's fine. But then you should have space manatees. Yeah. Oh, right. Wow. Right? The whale manatees or- on Mars, right? Yeah. Whoa. Um, yeah. And of course, whales swim much faster than humans. 
Um, and well, even before we built boats, right? So whales would have a couple of million years head start on us exploring the solar system. Wow. Um, <laughs> so then, but then we need like space krill and space plankton. Right? Yeah. But yeah. Basically it's sorry, an aqua- let's, like let's we say- live in the ocean. It's as if the yeah. whole, the whole universe were mm-hmm. an ocean and the planets and stars and all that sort of stuff were just floating in the ocean. Like yeah, we, so I think that's it. So whales explore the solar system very thoroughly because even at the vast distances um, of, say, Saturn or uh, Jupiter, you know, when you're billions of, of miles away, right. um, if the whales have a, let's say, four million year head start on us because they, they can swim and we have to develop technology, right. um, then they, the, the whales will have fully colonized the solar system by this point. Wow. Right. Saturn, Saturn will have a full colony of whales living on. Right. Whichever was the fastest creature would have gotten out there first. Yeah, that's right. They're, they're just, as you say, just the right combination of speed and strength because they have to be strong enough to get out of the Earth's gravity well. Right. Um, Although the, the food, it. actually the food would kind of need to precede them. Their, their, their Unless, range. I don't know. Yeah. And yeah. Maybe the whales will invent, um, uh, agriculture. They'll figure out a way to grow krill on the moon. Wow. <laughs> That'd be fun, right? Okay, yes. right. You just remind, of course, like, this is so basic, but like, right. Uh, that w- What we're saying here is that humans at the moment, um, are we are physically, it, actually largely because we can build, I was going to say our bodies are different, like the whale can't walk around, but it doesn't need to. Actually, the, th- the difference is the brains. So yeah. they, yeah, the, the whales... Um, let's say all, you know, some sea creatures, um, mm-hmm. like whales have gone out, but, and yeah, if they've colonized things, it's just sort of like they might, like sea creatures will colonize a coral or something. Um, um yeah. So, yeah. you know, families of whales, uh, around Neptune. Right. So just meaning that they wouldn't, they wouldn't make agriculture in, in that, in that sense of the word, but they, but they could very well just like ecosystems develop basically. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know enough about whales to really say how they would or what they might transport. Right. Um, but it's true. We can say that we don't know that, uh, I don't want to push it that far, but like, I'll just peek out there a little bit too far beyond the metaphor and say, <laughs> Intelligence might arrive. In other words, if if the whales and dolphins, for instance, whose intelligence seem like an elephant's, for instance, you know these creatures where we think their intelligence is yeah, they're pretty smart. Different um, with all that freedom, who knows? Maybe they would have uh, evolved. They wouldn't. Well, that's right because there's this sort of question of you know what selective pressures are at work. So if you're a whale and you eat krill. Um, there's lots of krill sort of anywhere you swim in the ocean, Mm. there's already krill there. Mm -hmm. So that means you don't have any selective pressures pushing you to figure out ways to move krill from place to place. Right. Mm. That is there. There's no, there's no particular reason for you to invent agriculture. Um, but maybe if there was a, a place at the edge of your swim ability where you realize there aren't krill, then that might be a good incentive to start figuring out. Out a way to, to get them from place right. to place. And it just occurred to me that actually, probably what would happen is 
the sun would be the place that most would flock to. Yeah, because it's it's warm and there's lots of energy. Right. I mean, imagine that you would have an explosion of. Uh, I mean, basically, the sun <laughs> creatures on Earth do grow because of the sun. In in right. and and you have to be like uh, at the poles where they don't get as much sun. We don't have things living there. It's too cold or whatever. Um, much less anyway. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. Maybe just extremophiles and that kind of thing. Right. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like, like it's interesting you talk about krill or plankton or something like that. I can imagine that kind of life just, or like al- huge algae blooms all around the sun. Covering the sun. Yeah, that's right. And then uh, maybe we'd get a biological Dyson sphere eventually <sighs> um, <laughs> where everything just grows around it, right? Right. Um, and, uh, you know, there would be a strong incentive to, a uh, strong sort of biological evolutionary incentive to fill every space where there's uh, energy. So eventually the sun would just be covered with those highly evolved plankton or krill or something. Um, And then no one could see our sun anymore because it was covered by space plankton. Right. And, but let's say that all happens. I'm going to, for sure that happens um, before humans evolve. Yeah, that's right. So then we don't get any energy here on earth anymore because it's all being absorbed by the space plankton. Right, but most likely we would actually evolve at the sun. Like, I think that... That's right. The yeah, earth, there, there would be a strong... Anybody who could get off the earth right, would. Right. Um, and But not everyone would, right? So, I don't know, worms, right? The worms are not going to be able to swim out of the gravity well. So uh, they'll uh-huh. just... They'll either die here or adapt to the new cold conditions... Um, because right. space plankton is absorbing all the light that otherwise would have gotten here. Wow. It, it, what I was imagining is that, let's say that um, most of the, like if, if uh, I mean, the amount of life that would bloom if you could get, if they could get close, closer to the sun would just be enormous. And um, so that in four, almost four billion years, uh, I mean, as you say, it would be so thick around the sun, even though we must recognize and point out to our view and viewers, <laughs> listeners who know this already and listeners who don't, the scale of the sun is so far That's off right. the charts. It's, it's so mind-bogglingly huge. Yeah. Um, but the beauty of biology is, you know, exponential growth, like our listeners, uh, is that it doesn't take that much time that if you've got plenty of energy and exponential growth, uh, that life will fill that up. Wow. Right. If life can live there, it will. Um, and I think sort of in, in a weird way, we've, our, this what if has kind of, um, let's see here, uh, accidentally become a giant analogy for possibly the emergence of life here on earth too. Mm. So, you know, we're used to, we live on the surface of the earth. Uh, most, most of us, I should say. Right. <laughs> um, uh, and then, um, so where essentially we used light from the sun to survive. Mm-hmm. And by we, I mean you and me and squirrels and ferns and everything, uh, and plankton and such. Um, but then da- down, down, down at the deep, uh, bottom reaches of the ocean there are these thermal vents where uh, what are called extremophiles live uh-huh. so these are like bacteria and worms um, and they derive their 
uh, energy right from these sort of small volcanic vents. And partially that's thermal energy and partially that's chemical energy kind of liberated from like these sulfur compounds and things. Um, and it's speculated that because actually this is weird that the surface of the earth is only a pleasant place after life has been here for a long time. So say right. a billion years ago, it was actually quite hellish. Right? We needed we needed plants and things to get up here and start making it nice for us. So it's speculated that life begins at these extremophile vents uh, way down at the bottom uh, of the ocean. And there you can only live in this very small range, like a couple of meters from this, wow. from one of these vents. And then the distance to the next vent is really far in the scale of being a sea worm or something like that. So it's very right. difficult for life to get from place to place. Mm -hmm. But then at some point, the, the idea goes, uh, some of these extremophiles made it far enough to get, made it high enough in the ocean that they discovered there's this enormous energy source up top that is the sun. Oh, so then, wow. So then once somebody gets a foothold near the surface of the earth, then they can use this enormous source of energy to grow. Right. So then the, the, the sort of the origin of life, these volcanic vents gets left behind because they're comparatively crappy as a place to live. Right. Where the surface of the earth has this enormous source of energy in the source of the sun. Right. Um, so then, so it's weird that because we are the, the descendants of that little extremophile that made it to the surface of the earth. Wow. We assume that that's the, that must be the best place, right? Or that the natural place for it to have it appeared. Wow. Um, and, and just and, to be clear, the, the, yeah. the, it's not like, um, life continues at those vents to this day. Mm -hmm. So it's not that's like right. everybody left. Exactly. But, yeah. But I should say, and, and rather unchanged. Oh, wow. Like as near as we can tell, there's no, um, uh, there isn't a good incentive to, to get to become a fancier sea worm, right? You've got everything you need down wow. there. Um, so those creatures are. I uh, just so, so those creatures. I didn't know this. Those creatures, like I've seen little. I think there's like little crabs, maybe, and uh, uh, there might be some crabs. That would be about the the highest. Right, and so those form. may have evolved. How long ago? A bit, uh, billions of years ago. Well, this is I said this is an an open question, but probably billions of years ago. Yeah, <sighs> if they were the first life forms to emerge. Amazing. Um, and wow. that's uh, and they're totally content mm -hmm. down there because right? they they don't know what they're missing, right? It's right. just that right. a few of them manage. And so in the same way, in our what if we're going to get a whole new ecology that evolves based on the space plankton, um, and then the Earth is the volcanic event where life right. happened to first appear, but then life quickly realized that there was a much better place to be. Right. So the by sun. the time we, this is, yeah, so we, so we are basically born, we evolve inside the Dyson biosphere that surrounds the sun. Yeah. And eventually some scientists, um, you know, strike out beyond the sun mm -hmm. and explore this vast territory, which um, even though they can swim through it or motor through it in their, you know, space ships, submarine type things, whatever, mm -hmm. um, uh, it gets colder. It actually could get considerably colder because if, if yeah. this life blocks the sun, which would be a pretty amazing thickness of <laughs> plankton to block <laughs> the sun. I mean, um, 
Yeah, that would be a I don't have the numbers at hand, but it would be a fairly quick calculation to figure out how much plankton you would need. Right. Um, I mean, it would be on the order of um, on the order of a stellar mass of stuff. Wow. Right. And, and if you think about size wise, very, very roughly, but like the Earth next to the sun looks like a plankton might. No, right. it's even it's still even bigger. But like, yeah, mm-hmm. if let if you said that the Earth is as if it was a plankton next to the sun, then the, mm-hmm. the plankton has got to be a plankton on a plankton. Yeah, how yes, many things right. on so ahead of a pin? Kind a of meta plankton, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, they strike. They would strike out, and they would find the Earth, and it would take them a while to figure out that, like, because probably there's also life on other bodies. Um, uh, yeah, that's right. So, and we might not be particularly interesting by then, right? But they might eventually figure out. Oh, this is where life came from. It was that um, mm-hmm. frozen snowball, that's right? <laughs> right? That like it yeah, used right. to be and hot. Would, yeah. yeah. Um, and the the space plankton, Carl Sagan, you know, will say, we thought life could only exist right next to the sun. And we thought it was impossible right. everywhere else in the universe. But it turns out that even someplace as inhospitable as Earth has life. Right, right. And the thing is, for them, um, well, Copernicus would have been right, but we wouldn't have need, needed Copernicus because the sun would be the center of our biosphere. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I should say space plankton astronomy would probably not be particularly well developed because they wouldn't have a good reason to be looking out. Wow. Well, right? the only ones, if, if you were on the... If you're on the outside. Yeah, yeah, you'd have to... Okay, so this is totally weird, because this is also like... See, I love this, because this is kind of imagery I had no... Right? Who knew we would see this? Um, if Let's say, human, you know, let's make them humans, and uh, we're born mm-hmm. inside... I think that... It would be an inverted, basically it's like an inverted world. It's like we live on the inside uh, yeah, of right. a shell. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the best place to live would be right on the inside of that shell because you'd get the most energy. Right. And so uh, the mm-hmm. explorers, um, human explorers, would be digging into, they would have to go into the biomass, dig that's into right. the sphere. Yeah, so that's right. Whether that's digging up or down kind of depends on your point of view. Right, right. right. Um, but that's right. They would have to be digging through, and then they would eventually come to the end of their uh, their space plankton Dyson sphere and see the stars for the first time. Right. right. Oh, and just uh, if anyone doesn't know, when we keep saying Dyson sphere, you can Google uh, that, but it's D-Y-S-O-N. And okay. the idea was that uh, what if an advanced civilization um, could build um a shell around their sun to capture all the energy um but here we're talking about this whole yeah this whole everything growing around the sun yeah so they dig into uh it's interesting like you say would this is the question what did they do in ring world i can't remember did they talk about up and down oh um like what well ring world is spun up right um it, it generates gravity by right 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 <laughs> it generates gravity by centrifugal motion um so that would give you a clear sense of up and down then up would be toward the sun and down would be right. towards the edge of the ring right? right um 
I don't think our space plankton, well, actually, there may be structural issues that suggest they do have to be um, spinning. Yeah, so they probably would have an up and down. Right. In fact, let's say that I think we have to say that this thing would be rotating. Yeah, it would have to be just for structural reasons. Right. And um, well, just because it whatever arrived there first would be moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or just it as it aggregated, it would have to, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Not sure what, uh, I suppose that wouldn't have to be in any particular orientation. Like doesn't have to be. In uh, no, that's right. It would, it would be arbitrary. Right. Um, Right. Uh, and energetically, the the ecliptic is probably cheapest because then you can use some energy from from the Earth uh, from the Earth's orbit. But right. but a billion years on, that's so going to be moot. Imagine. Yeah. I mean, you're basically born. Uh, humans evolve, and so you, let's say you're now born. You're one of the just another human that's been born inside the biosphere that is the world, mm-hmm. and uh, all they would know is the sun. Like they'd have no uh, that idea right. that there's anything yeah. beyond at all. They would wonder yeah, right. why Unless is there this gravity? Uh, well, they might. That would be a, that would be hard to reconstruct what the history of science would look like um, in such a thing. Uh, I, mean, I guess a lot will depend on the thickness of the shell. So if the shell is six feet thick. Then they're going to discover pretty quickly there's something on the other side, right? Right. Um, but if it's a mile thick. That's a lot of plankton to move by shovel. Right? Yeah. Uh, Let's make it a mile so thick. It's a mile a thick. A mile thick. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, a mile's a really long way. Yeah. So unless they've got a good reason for digging that deep, they might never realize there's something out there and they're going to have this this closed in cosmology. Um, right. Because you can like, you know, they'll be able to see the other side of the sphere. Right. Yeah, it's a question of would they explore. I, I'm going to guess, now this is an interesting thing, I feel like life always explores, mm-hmm. or life as we know it, just seems to, like, why did that, I mean, maybe that original worm, that maybe it got washed away, like a current pulled it too far from mm-hmm. its um, smoker vent, and it survived somehow, yeah. it made its way to the surface, but... Um, Right. Okay. So anyway, there's two different ways, but either way, life is going to start going in, digging down into the biosphere, either by, you know, maybe a solar flare, you know, pulls out a huge chunk of it. And then they say, wow, Mm -hmm. look, you can go in there. Um, They may be mining for, you know, all kinds of resources would be in there, like whatever the oil Mm -hmm. you know, something like that. Yeah, that's right. There's some delicious critter that lives underground and we we chase it down there. Right. Now, actually, so taking this even just a little further, suppose we, if it was analogous to, to our world now, indus- industry would evolve inside the sphere, even when some, you know, brave explorers have managed to, they know that you can go through the sphere and come out the other side. Mm-hmm. But it's bar- barely known and just seems like a pain in the ass, just like we won't go into space because yeah, right it can be done, so but it's hard. generally not worth it. That would be the difficult <laughs> travel thing. That's interesting. You'd be locked in this shell. And uh, so, yeah. so industry develops. Say, so, for instance, you know, that's it, right. So industry, one of the reasons we dig in the ground here on the Earth is because that's where all sorts of lovely metals are that are useful <sighs> for industry. Right. Right. Um, our plankton sphere um, might not have any metal. In it, oh. 
time. So exactly what industry means would be hard, right? We might have to do all that digging with wood. <laughs> all right, a mile's a long way to dig with a digging stick. Okay, yeah, this is fascinating too because you've got basically, um, this is again an angle of it I had not thought of that like you've got life existing without all the non-organic stuff mm-hmm. you get on the earth, which is vast. Right. Um, and that's, uh, that's tough, you know, is there actually, you know, is there, uh, enough carbon floating around in the solar system for the space plankton to grow in the first place? Right. We'd, we'd sort of been assuming that there was free mass, um, uh, and that might not be the case, you know, maybe carbon and nitrogen become these incredibly precious resources. Uh, so we don't get a full on, um, plankton sphere, right. but we get a tiny little, uh, I don't know, probably scattered clumps of plankton, um, viciously fighting with each other right. over a gram of nitrogen. So then we have Star Wars, but with our space whales, uh, fighting over it. <laughs> it's like they've chummed the chummed the waters or that's right yeah so so depending on the available, <laughs> well yeah that's right and um again the uh it, if the material is scarce enough these would be quite ferocious wars but they'd have to be fought over the course of uh millions of years just because of the sheer scale of the solar system right um so you know you're a, you're a space humpback whale um, desperately hoping to make it to the next patch of plankton before you die. Wow. Uh, so and they're consuming that. their own environment. So at some point it's possible there would be pressure on the birth rate of the plankton. That's um, right. Yeah. You'd get some equilibrium, um, presumably at some point. Right. Uh, at which uh, the birth rate of the plankton uh, just balances um, conquest by the right. space whales. And I was, e- I was even imagining that like uh, if it were people and we had industry – that grows on the inside of the shell. Um, we talk about greenhouse effect, or I don't know what would happen. Oh, sure, yeah, that's right. And so um, the whole that's right. inner you have a thermal radiation problem. The, yeah. yeah, the whole inner side of the shell would just let's say by the time the twenty first century is so equivalent mm-hmm. comes about, the whole inner si- shell is like burnt and you know dead, and so we think that's how it is. Uh, that is just the nature of things. Yeah. Right. And so we uh, dig down but, yeah. to get uh, pressure. Uh, yeah, that's right. So then you'd, you'd get uh, over very long scales of time, you'd get zones of habitability within uh, within the shell. So at one point, the very inner part of the shell is habitable. And then as that gets too hot and crisp, then you would gradually move out through the shell right. to wherever it's a comfortable temperature. Um, until you get to the edge and you realize there's nowhere else to go. Right. Now I'm going to hit fast forward on this simulation. All right. Where does it go? Oh, so um, it will, let's see. Uh, Eventually you'll get cooked. Well, yeah, eventually your your space plankton Dyson sphere is going to become uninhabitable uh, for Uh. sort of the same reasons that the Earth our, our Earth will eventually become uninhabitable, just sort of second law of thermodynamics, right? You right. just use up your, your available resources, uh, in which case you will, if you're a space whale, if you can, if you have a long enough lifetime, you can go, make, try to make the swim to Alpha Centauri. Um, right. You could, wow. try to, you could try to dismantle your 
sphere and build an artificial one. Right, 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 okay. right. Um, so, but that's essentially the equivalent of us building a new planet after the Earth is used up. So that's that's kind of the scale of engineering you right. have to think about to do that kind of thing. I mean, going really um, extreme, I could imagine life forms um, building a chain. Uh, in other words, beyond even just maybe the very earliest ones would have, you know, a huge chunk of the sphere. They get it off and they take that and they kind of eat that along the way. And then they get to Alpha Centauri and then they build start building another sphere. But eventually those two might become linked by a strand of would be a massive strand you but, could imagine right it would yeah. be it would be the largest structure that we know of in the universe right yeah <laughs> um, but if there was enough free material to do it you could do it and then i guess eventually the galaxy becomes this uh uh kind of spider web right of space plankton going from place to place wow um and you know the time scale here would probably be hundreds of billions of years right 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 trillions. Um, that might be kind of a fun back of the envelope calculation to make. Yeah. This plankton world, uh, plankton universe kind of makes me itchy. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like, yeah, it's just like, oh gosh, you know. The whole when when we when you said spider web, you know the universe like it's just oh gosh, um, that would make me set out from the biosphere in the first place. And maybe like, just to get away from the giant spider web. Yeah, just like ugh, let's move out uh, into other space. Then, like always, I you know I do I move to another the next nice neighborhood and then that gets crowded and you know uh, they put a no. suburban it becomes suburbanized. And, yeah, that's right. And you, then you get all these hipsters complaining about how. You know, Sirius used to be such a nice neighborhood, but now it's all gentrified. <laughs> right. Uh, there's so many space whales now with their little space baby carriages. Right. And so those burnt, charred, uh, semi-abandoned biospheres would be where all the artists live. You know? Yes, exactly. That's right. The, the that's where the space is cheap. Move back to Jupiter or something. Yeah. Like, Jupiter's uh, hip again. Rent is, rent is cheap. <laughs> Um, yeah, very cool. I got a sweet little spot right above the great red spot. (laughs) (laughs) It's incredible. Um, cool. All right. Fantastic. Um, awesome. This is, boy, this one's really got me in the, got me imagining uh, things. Nice. Uh, If I didn't have to go to work, I'd just stay in this world and keep fleshing it out. Um, maybe we'll continue. I I did mention in some earlier episode that we, there might be certain ones that we want to continue Taking even further. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That was great. So, wow. Thank you for really building a universe. I like this one, too. This really grew and grew and grew. And we avoided the, uh, for the most part, the apocalyptic thing. This is like Genesis on steroids. Mm -hmm. Keep it going. Keep it going. So, um, I hope everyone out there also uh, in your lives are, you know, enjoying your hot, warm smoker vent or your biosphere uh wherever you're at um thank you for listening again go to itunes leave us a leave us a review give us five stars it'd be awesome each one of those stars can have a biosphere around it that would be fantastic um and we look forward to um being with you again next week where we say what the if 
Bye now. <laughs>